Hello, everyone. Skyboy Red. Nottingham Forest suffered their first home defeat of the season as they lost 3-2 to Brighton on Saturday, making it 13 points from 13 games and more avoidable goals conceded in a game featuring two penalties and a red card. We'll discuss all the drama at the City Ground in the company of, first of all, Reds legend Gary Bertels. Gary, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Very good. Thank you. Good, good. Good to have you with us. Uh, second guest is Greg Mitchell. Greg, how are you doing? I thought I was feeling a bit negative, but I'm looking at the comments and I realise I'm still a hell of a lot more positive than uh, many of the others. So we'll see how this goes today. I haven't read the comments yet. There's 20 to get to, but I'll, I'll flick through them while you guys are talking. And finally, with us is Mikey Clark. Mikey, good morning. How are you doing? Morning. Yeah, not too bad for Monday morning. This is the first um, time I'm using my new computer so I can actually see the comments now. And there's some interesting stuff on there. So it should be should be a good episode. Uh, I'll flick through the comments while you give us some general thoughts on the game, Mikey, to kick us off. What, what did you make of it? Um, frustrating, wasn't it? You know, we did the preview show on on Thursday and we talked about how, well, I, I talked about how I thought it was going to be tactically quite intriguing because my mind was set back to, to, to last season and the amount that was on that game last season and the way we set up and the way we let them have the ball and broke. But for me, that game on Saturday was, I wasn't really expecting that. I thought we started really well, obviously went 1-0 up after two minutes. And then I, I don't know what happened for the next 60 minutes. We seemed ineffective. Our, our inability to keep the ball was something I've not really seen all season. And I think we deservedly went in 2-1 down. So I'm expecting a, a chess match, an intriguing tactical battle. But the second off was just like a basketball game. It was end-to-end, there was sendings off, there was two penalties, 10 minutes injury time. It was just not what I was expecting at all. But I, I left the ground feeling quite... Um, quite deflated I think you know I'm sure we'll get into the weeds of it and, and, and it's right that we face into it but I think you know we're letting in too many soft goals you know the Ferguson goal was a great finish but you know there's questions around whether we should have been closed down but this is the fourth or fifth game in the last month where we've just letting cross after cross and goal after goal and teams aren't having to work especially hard to score against us so you score two goals at home you expect something from the game and yet again we've got nothing now, that's one win in nine now, and it is a little bit concerning. And I'll just say one more thing. I watched Everton yesterday, and what do they do? They get it wide. They get Decorey and Calvert-Lewin in the box and put cross after cross in, which frightens the life out of me because we seem we, we, we seem like we don't know how to defend them. So, yeah, let's get into some of the specifics, Matt. But I was, um, I was shocked at what I saw on some occasions, but I just felt really deflated after the game. Did it feel like a missed opportunity, Greg? Because obviously we take the lead, but also Brighton go into the game with injuries and lose more players with injuries. And it's, you know, them celebrating the win massively at the end, which I had no problem with, but I know people did. But did it feel like a missed chance for you? Yeah, I had a big problem with Deserby, but we'll get back to that. Uh, it was a massively missed chance just because we've got bad injuries. We've, we're top of that injury charts list again, uh, but also Brighton did. They also managed to bring back the Barcelona player. So you've got to appreciate how good a team they are. I'm not giving excuses for how we've lost, but you look at uh, how they've done this year, Brighton. They've they've been involved in the most goals per game out of any team this league. We knew there was going to be goals. It was just if we could keep it tight enough at the back. And at the end of the day, I mean, their first goal was a, a really good goal. There were some mistakes for their others, but... Um, yeah, it's just it was a massive missed opportunity, especially with those twenty minutes at the end. 
I thought they'd give more injury time. Thought the officials were absolutely useless. Thought Deserby shouldn't have even been on the pitch for the way he was acting for the majority of the game. I'm, I'm stood right down that line, so I could see how he was acting and like petulant at best, driving us insane. And I don't know. I just think we we've done so well. Like this run we've had, where we've only lost two in whatever it was twenty games at home. You know that sh- that shouldn't be uh, forgotten and our first season of the Premier League and into the second season. But we are going to lose games. as We've got to just show that fight, which we did at the end. You know, we were shattered. We were absolutely on our knees at the end. And we could have got the draw. And this whole conversation is completely different. But for me, whatever happens Saturday has a bigger <laughs> has a bigger effect on how I feel really about this previous game we've just had as well, because that is just huge now. I suppose, Gary, the frustration for me is that in the last five games, we've conceded 11 goals. And I, I would say we've had a big hand in, a, well, arguably 11 of them, but at least eight of them. And that's a, that's a problem for a football team, isn't it? Well, you go back to last season, Fulham-Bournemouth, 3-2, 3-2. You go back to the start of the season, Manchester United, 3-2. West Ham, 3-2. We're losing all those close games. We're not getting anything out of those close games. And uh, like you said, you've already used it. We use it so many times now with Forrest, avoidable goals. And Steve Cooper must be pulling his hair out, really, because, again, uh, the Ferguson goal, yes, it's a great first touch. And then he just stuttered a little bit before he, you know, he put it in the back of the net. But we didn't close him down. You know, I, I saw Lewis Dunk, you know, before he stupidly got himself sent off, blocking, what, four or five. I was commentating on the game. And his desire not to let the ball come into any danger area that would cause his team a problem, I thought was exemplary. I thought it was superb. And the second, you know, the, the header, yes, it was a good header from a long way out, but he's the wrong side of the ball. I know the wrong side of the ball. You know, it's lack of concentration. You, you know, the, the cross, who, who is going to close him down? Who is going to stop him getting that cross in? Brian Clough always used to roar from the touchline, stop the cross, stop the cross. You can hear him every game. And Martin O'Neill said, I wonder why he always said that. He said, but then when I realised, I, I understood exactly why he was shouting that. Because if it comes in your box, you've got a big chance of conceding. And the quality was good. The header was good. I, don't, I still didn't think that was a penalty of theirs. It was a bit silly from Chris Wood. But the ball had gone through the keeper. There's no way he was going to get it. And he threw himself to the floor as well and made a meal of it. And I just think it was somebody making that decision who'd not played the game again, who didn't really look closely enough at what was going on there. Um, I, I still think ours was a penalty, and that's not because I'm a Forest player. I said that in commentary. I said it's not because I'm an ex-player. I, I just thought that was more a penalty than theirs. And uh, But it, you, you, we've got to stop conceding sloppy goals, avoidable goals. I'm fed up of saying that, Matt, and you, 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 know, you are as well. It's just that the better players than that. And it's, it goes back to that one word I always say is the most important in football, concentration. You lose it for a second and that's all it is, a split second. And that's what, you know, quality players do for you. I mean, their injuries probably helped them more than, you know, uh, went against them because he came on, uh, João Pedro, and, uh, you know, he, what did he do? He scored two goals. And, yeah, it's... Uh, but I, I've got to say a big uh, thumbs up to Morgan Gibbs-White to be fair I thought he um, 
for his penalty, you know, for how long they tried to put him off to, to score it was impressive. And his ball for the first goal was absolutely superb. And that was shocking defending from Brighton, letting, letting him run as far as they did. Nobody closed him down. That's what happens if you don't close you down. It happened to both teams. And it's, it's just such an elementary thing to do. Go to the man with the ball. He's the most dangerous person. Not the man in the box. He's got to get the ball to the man in the box. The man with the ball at his feet is always the most dangerous hmm. you know, because he's going to do the next thing that could hurt you. And, you know, we, we just don't stop those things at the moment. It's, it's, it's sad to see. Yeah, Elanga should have got out of the man much better, I thought, that second one. Let me ask you a big tactical question, Gary, that's important. I, I want to get your take on it. I thought our midfield was terrible. And it was the first, it reminded me of last season's midfield where we couldn't get a kick, couldn't pass the ball, and we dropped deeper and deeper. Did we get so deep because we couldn't retain possession and we invited pressure? Or do you think it was a tactical thing to suck them in and try and hit them on the break? Because it didn't work. I, I think the problem was uh, Chris Wood was getting sucked deeper and deeper and there was no outlet once we got the ball. I, I, I said in commentary, the, the big comparison between the two sides was that Brighton moved it far quicker than we did. You know, their, their thrust going forward, it was quick, it was incisive. Ours were quite laboured from the back. You know, players have got to play balls, you know, quicker. And, you know, ping it to feet quicker. Ours was a little bit sloppy, a bit laboured, I think, at times. And every time they went forward, they looked like they got something in them that could hurt us. There's always a man available. Um, and, you know, that wasn't a, a criticism of Chris Wood. Because as a striker, you want to get involved and you want, you come closer to the ball to try and get that ball. But then you've got the, you know, the because everybody else is back, you're struggling, you know, with because of one year's got pace and Alanga's got pace, and when Brennan was there, you know, you just knew you'd got, you know, the options to counter-attack, you know, time after time. But at the moment, uh, maybe that pace, Alanga's got the pace, but even he was dropping, a, you know, quite a bit deeper, and we found it a struggle to get out and actually try and hurt them. You know, obviously, when they went down to 10 men, I thought they defended admirably. Uh, the, the other centre-half, I thought he, he led by example, and you've got to give them credit for holding out all that time with 10 men because I thought we'd definitely get something out of that game. But mm -hmm. I think we we took the easy options at times, just throwing the ball in. There wasn't a lot of thought behind the you know, delivery at, at times. It was you know sometimes hit and hope, and that suited Brighton at that particular point. The midfield, Mikey, was like... I mean, I thought we really missed Sangare, and Dominguez was ineffective in the Sangare role, and Danilo was ineffective in the Dominguez role of pressing and trying to wing the ball back. Do you? I mean, do you feel like Mangala needs Sangare to play as he, he does? Because it just all, you know, it was a domino effect where it just all went wrong in that area, I thought. It just, it, I just think there was a number of players that just didn't perform to the standard that, that they're capable of. And I think midfield is a really good example of it. It just shows you, doesn't it, when you take somebody out of the team that I think most fans would agree hasn't necessarily reached the heights yet that we know he's capable of, Sangare. But you take him out of that team, and he makes a hell of a difference. You know, his physical stature in there, um, you know, he, he's cool, he, he's composed, he's confident on the ball. And he has worked really, really well with Mangala since they, you know, joined up together. Um, yeah, I was, I was, um, when I saw the team at two o'clock, I was, I was a bit, I wasn't overly worried because I thought, you know, Danilo, he probably needs 60, 70 minutes. And he, he did really well last season against Brighton, uh, um, Brighton sorry. So um, I thought, We'll be fine. 
but it, it just became evident in that first half that we were really missing Sangari. And let's hope, you know, by all accounts, he, he he's had a bit of a virus, hasn't he? Lost a lot of weight. Let's hope he's okay for the next game because Everton, physical team, you know, he's going to be absolutely crucial for us. So I just thought it was a it was an ineffective performance in midfield. And as soon as we went down to three one, we started chasing. We looked a little bit better. Of course, they went down to ten men, but. I just thought overall, Matt, it was it was just one of them where we thought didn't really click today. Got to go back to the drawing board a little bit, try and get that makeup of the three right. So for me, it is Dominguez, Sangari, and Mangala. And the quicker we can get those three back together, I think we'll be okay. So it but was my, just it was just one of those days. Yeah. You know, do you do you think watching that that match? I mean, Brighton, like I said, they moved it so much quicker than we did. You know, I think it was slow from the back. It was. You know, not not in. When I as a striker, I used to love getting the ball pinged to my feet because it made me react. You know, ours was a bit slow. It, it wasn't you know any pace on the ball. They looked just you look really sharper than we did. More incisive, more dangerous. You know, you, you thought every time they went forward, you know, there's an opportunity going to uh, going to happen. And I, I think going in front again. How many times have we gone in front and not? you know, taking advantage of that, you know, it's, uh, oh, it's, it's just, it must be so frustrating for Steve because he can't do anything about it. You know, he can only put a team out there that he thinks is going to do the job. And if they don't, well, that's down to them. You know, players often get away with you know, the stick. The, the manager always gets the stick, but sometimes the players have got to stand up and say, yeah, we weren't good enough today. And I, don't, I think like you said, Mikey, you know, some of them weren't at the top of the game. And in the Premier League, if you're not in the top of your game, you're going to get beat. But it's just those disappointing three twos. How many have we had? It's not the odd one. It's quite a lot of them. Um, but, you know, this you, now one year, you know, that, that is going to be a massive loss. He's going to be out for a long time by the sound of it. And, you know, if Chris Wood gets injured, we're back to that situation again. Uh, which is, you know, you just got to hope maybe uh, Man City and Chelsea get uh, relegated to League One now. Uh, you know, so it's it, it it is a worry the lack of options up front at the moment. It's good to see Hudson Odoi and Origi back in you know contention. We need them in contention, get the fitness levels good, and now the international breaks are out of the way. But then we've got the Africa Cup of Nations where we're going to lose a host of players. You know that could be massively detrimental to us. Mm. When you're watching the games, Greg, in the stands and we go up and then we concede, do you detect or worry about a mental weakness or a physical weakness? You know, the goals are cascading in at the moment. What do you think it's down to? Specifically on Saturday, no, not for that first goal because it was a very good goal and they played, you know, they play with their entire team passing the ball around the pitch, don't they? So, Greg there, though. Uh, we gave the ball away. Danilo we sh- should have played uh, Gibbs White in. He was in a great position. Yeah. The right pass, and the next minute, you know, it's in the back of our net. How many Danilo times? Was, Danilo was rusty, but just like for our first goal, they gave the ball away. You know, Mangala gets it off and it yeah. happens, doesn't it? It's just the fact that, you know, when we're playing top, top teams, we're going to concede goals. We just need to be able to have that attack in front that are going to score us more. And, and with Taiwo out now, it's going to kill us. But I just think going back to Sangare, if he's not playing on Saturday, for me, Yates has to start. He gives no, that presence. Like you've answered my question before I asked it. For Yeah, it just, sorry, it just, 
you know, I, all I keep thinking about is is next Saturday now and how we how we win that critical game. And I think if we'd have played Everton playing how we did this weekend, we'd have beat them. I do. I just think Brighton are are a step above. They know how. They just knew how to get at us, and they did it. They did a job on us. You know, Ina for the second goal. Yeah, wrong place. The 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 penalty was a, a frustration, but I do think if they gave as which they did eventually, they had to give theirs as well. Uh, but yeah, it we're going to concede goals. We're in the Premier League. We're in the best game, league in the world. We've just got to figure out. You know, we need two Marillos at the back, basically, don't we? That'll that'll help us out a little bit more. But um, I'm not as frustrated as I was by a Ganacho style goal. But yeah. the goals we're conceding, we just well, their first goal was a good goal. Their first goal yeah, was a good goal. As I, I played centre half, and I've mentioned Lewis Dunk how how good he was at closing down and how his desire, you know, probably kept his his, his team in the game at that particular point because we could have gone further in front. Uh, he made, I think he made four blocks. My commentator kept saying, you know, and Lewis Dunk again, Lewis Dunk again. And that's what you do as a centre-half. You have to close down quickly. You have to expect that your opponent, in that respect, Ferguson, who I rate very highly, he's only a young lad, but my word, he, he can play. His first touch was excellent. You At the Premier League level, you expect that. You expect top players to have the top touch, and he has. So you don't back off him. You close down. And he actually paused and then he, he took the shot. And it was a great finish. But he, he, it was a stoppable one. And you I know, think with playing playing with the more attacking midfield like we did, when Danilo, Gibbs-White, Alanga are linking up, there was some such quick play, like some brilliant play from us in spells. But once one of those passes goes wrong, it's not so much switching off. It's just not having that support when the other team come and attack at us. And I think that's why we've got to just have that little bit more of a a defensive, say almost more of a negative midfield, you know. It was exciting at times on Saturday. There was some quick passes going between three or four of them. Superb. But like at the end of the first half, you lose the ball, you're going to get punished big time in this league. And we are learning. We are, but... There's going to be more goals like that. It's just how how we come back from it the week yeah, after. Yeah, but I mean, all right, we'll, we'll go away from that goal. The the header, I mean, that was just poor all round. I mean, the guy's got the ball and he's just there's no pressure on him at all. Uh, there's a, nobody within five yards of him. You know, he's in a really good area. Why why is nobody closing him down? And then he puts the ball in the box. You know, you, it's going to come. And you know, you, your fullback is not switched on and. He's the wrong side, and it's it's a great header, but it's again, it's a stoppable goal, and that's the annoyance because they're basics, you know, as a defender, as a midfield player, you know, pressure, you know, the, you talk about pressing, pressing, press. Nobody pressed him before he put that ball in the in mm. the box. That's a disappointing thing. Little things like that, you're not, we're not getting the basics right at times. I, I don't think in certain areas. Um, let me ask one Everton question that was on the list for later, but it kind of fits into what we're saying. Um, Mikey, Greg said we need two Murillos. Do we need three Murillos or three at the back, certainly, do you think, for what's going to be a war on Saturday, I would imagine, against Everton? It is. No, I, I, I enjoyed that um, back and forth with Greg and Gary. I think I think in terms of Everton, um, yeah, it did worry me. I watched them yesterday. Um, they get it wide and every time they have four or five in the box. So you can tell what their game plan is. Decore, Calvert-Lewin. The two wingers tuck in um, and the full-backs overlap. So it's, it's quite old school, should I say, but it's effective and it works for them. And their away record is excellent. 
I think I wouldn't. I don't think we're going to change shape. I can see the argument for it, the Everton game. But I think you've got to find a way to get Willie Bolly in that team, if I'm honest with you, because he doesn't lose much in the air and it's going to be a, a bit of a war at times on Saturday. So I was also thinking, as Greg was talking, I think I'd kind of go the opposite way because when you sit back against a team like Everton, they're just going to pen you in and put crosses in and eventually you'll succumb. I think if we're on the front foot, We've got a real opportunity on Saturday to pen them in and not worry so much about what they can do. It should really be about what we can do to hurt them. And as Greg was saying, you've got we've got some wonderful ball players. So I think we just need to be sharper, tighter, as as, as Gaz was saying, or move the ball quicker and, and worry about how we can score goals against them. But like I say, the other end, if Sangari's fit he plays, there's a big argument to get Brian Yates in. And I just think you don't need two Murillos or three Murillos. You just need Willie Bolly next to him to have him kick mm. it. And I have to say, I've retweeted something this morning for those guys on Twitter. The Murillo tracking back, you know, where he jogged a little bit and then he sprinted and tackled that guy near the end. It is phenomenal, the angle that I've, that I've given. He sort of watches Mangala and when he realises Mangala can't get there, he sprints back. He is a wonderful footballer. He is so good. So I just think, get the right partner next to him. Horses for courses. We know what Everton are going to do. Get Willie Bolly next to him. We'll be all right. Mm. Do you see any chinks in Murillo's armour, Gary? I think I think he's great as well. But we are seeing a lot of goals. And I can't think of too many being down to him. I think he's been good. But am I really giving him too much too soon, do you think? They've mentioned Nia Carty either, really, have they? Um, it's not just down to, you know, he, he, yeah, it, it's a... It's, I, I when I played up front, I played you know, two up front, and it, it was so important you 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 integrated with your partner. And then the centre half, it's just as important, you know, to do that. I mean, I played with Paul Futcher at Grimsby at the end of my career, and we think you know we might have helped you know the young lads around because we were very vocal, you know, we were shouting and cajoling and you know trying to get them in the right positions and things like that. And that's what experienced players should do. Uh, you don't see many leaders out on football pitches anymore. You know, I look at, you know, maybe look at the forest side and think, well, who's the leader out there? And you think, well, hmm, is there anybody in that in that vein? Uh, I, I don't know. But the Premier League is the hardest league in the world to, to adapt to. You know, I've spoken about this before when Bergkamps and people like that came over. They never nailed it straight away. Um, and defenders aren't going to do that easy. Um you know, when you've got somebody like Ferguson, who's very young, uh, and he's sometimes I, I watch him and he doesn't get a touch for quite a while. As strikers don't now, but when he does get involved, you know he's difficult to pick up. He's difficult to mark, and you know you've got to be on your toes all the time, as we saw with a finish. You know, with players like that, it's like Haaland. You know, we talked about this before. You know, in large parts of the games, he's not there. He's not involved, and then he will go and score a couple of goals for you. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's got to be sharper. You said it, Mikey. I think sharpness was not there uh, all around the pitch. Um, you know, I think Gibbs White probably had one of his best games of the season. Um, you know, his delivery for the uh, the first goal was exemplary. Uh, then he put one for Chris Wood, which was difficult because he had no pace on and it was slightly behind him. So it's difficult for him to generate any pace. Um, but yeah, that's what you want to see from Gibbs White. It's it's just collective. It's not individual. You know, it, it's individual in your own mind. As a player, you want to do the right things, but it's a collective thing. And you know, you want if I when I was playing, if I didn't do something right, I knew I was going to get a right rollicking off my teammates. 
and that always you know lifted me to say right i'm not going to do that again i'm, I'm going to do the right thing but I, you don't seem to see that a great deal anymore and uh, I, I always like to see that i always like to feel it because i wanted to do the right thing every time i got the ball um but you know the quality players you, you've got to learn by your mistakes if you don't learn by your mistakes then you don't deserve to be in the team and the the concern is at the moment we're making the same mistakes steve knows that you know when the ball comes in the box you know everybody's holding the breath you know is it are they going to score and it's like bowen the west ham goal he, he was one of the smallest players on the pitch you know he's not six foot four and you know he, he got a free header and you know that is switching off as a defender you know yes great players are you know they're going to punish you at times but you know you have to be aware that they're going to do that and you you have to expect that and you have to plan that you know in your own game and it's just getting too many goals given away when we don't need to when um, when you said about a back 3 or a back two, uh, back 4 Matt and going on about Bolly and I've just had a message which is a good point that we had a back four against Villa. I I remember saying I wanted it to be a a back five and we kept a clean sheet then. So I do think if you look at a game like that compared to what we're going to go through and if like say Bolly is fit because was he just dropped on Saturday? I don't know if he was, was he on just the bench, not actually. I'll have a look. I'm so I mean that. like I think you just stick to that back four and and keep going at them next week then. You just have no idea. There's got to be a win, or there's going to be big pressure all around the place, isn't there, on everyone? I, I think go to Tottenham and win two one. You know, we beat them two 0 and it just it's baffling sometimes that you know these sorts of results crop up, and yeah, it's we, we've got it in us to beat good teams. We've seen that we've got close to good teams, close to Arsenal, close to Man United. You know, so it's you know it is there, but it's it's about stopping these you know the sloppiness at the back you know the goals we're conceding yeah, just yeah. to add a l- little bit of balance Matt because I think it's right that we face into it and we talk about what we can do better and try and analyse it but I think my mate James has been on at me all weekend about comparisons so it's right that I mention it so this time last season we played two games more I think just before the World Cup uh, we were in the bottom three and struggling so now we're eight points adrift of the bottom three appreciate Everton have had points deducted but that's just the way it is and if we beat them on Saturday we go 11 points clear in theory so we're not going down it's it's just we're in a bit of a bad run one win in nine I think I wrote down here earlier um uh, what's eight goals in the last four games we've conceded I think seven of them were crosses or set pieces I mean that's stuff you can work on and get better at so it's not unfixable and it's not all doom and gloom but I think it is right that we that we look at what we can do better um, as, as a club, so let's not try and be too down about it. Even though leaving the ground on Saturday, I was a bit. <laughs> I've had time to sort of redo <laughs> my mind, isn't it? We probably <laughs> yeah. should have six to eight more points, and then we're yeah. seventh yeah. and dreaming of Europe. I think that's why people get frustrated. But it shows we're not far away from being where we can be as well. Yeah, the worrying thing is, you know, Luton beating Crystal Palace at the weekend. You know, they're starting to creep up, and you know, I've, I've watched Luton on a few occasions, and they they aren't overly bad. You know, they've, they've got a win in them, um, uh, as it proved at the weekend. But, yeah, you don't want to get dragged down. You, the, 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 Like you said, Mikey, I think, uh, and Greg, the game on against Everton is just immense now. Mm. You know, Sean, Sean Dyche will want to put one over on Nottingham Forest without a doubt. And we saw when they came... seen the enough of us. <laughs> yeah, when they, when they came to, you know, the city ground last season, they were very good. 
you know, we I think we were fortunate to come out with a draw last season against them. It was two two, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, and they just it, it was the two two after we didn't deal with them. It, it, yeah, yeah, it was the one where we drew at Man City, against Man City and felt like we just lifted a cup. It was incredible. Then you draw yeah. against Everton and you walk out so deflated. But yeah. saying about um, Luton winning. You know, flip it over. That keeps Palace about one point away from us. We win on Saturday and we jump there. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's uh, it's just a, a crazy league this year for all different reasons. Yeah. I mean, Everton lost at home to Luton. Teams keep having these bad results. I think the annoying thing is that we're getting in position to win these games when we probably should be seeing them out. And if we do, it, it was then just, we'll be just fine. And it was just the last 10 minutes of the game, these crosses we kept throwing in. When you're down to 10 men, chucking crosses into the... They've got everyone behind the ball. You're not getting an advantage from having that extra man. Oh, yeah, I just felt like we needed to pass it about a bit more. Uh, yeah. It looked like Murillo was trying to line up for a shot a couple of times and then he just kind of... I don't know whether he just lost his bottle a little bit and laid it off, got it out wide, more crosses in. It just wasn't working and it was things... You've got to get round... You've got to get yeah. round teams when you when they're down to ten men because they'll just yeah the box. And that was that again. Learning point. Sorry in the comments that don't like it, but they, they are going to learn from that, aren't they? And it just that was one of the most frustrating points for me. The uh, way uh, that we what Greg as well. Chris would have gone off by then. Yeah, you know, if you're putting crosses in the box, you know when he's there, that you know that's his strength. Mm. And maybe mm. you know keeping him on and, and letting one of the two you know who came on play alongside him or play off him, you know, that might have been, you know, an idea. But, uh, yeah, it's it, it's all a learning curve. And all you can do is hope that players do learn. That's that's what Steve will be hoping, that they, they learn from the mistakes. And if they do, you've got to applaud that. But we can't keep, you know, doing what we're doing at the moment and not defend set pieces, crosses coming in the box. Because people, oppositions, they watch every game their opponents coming up are, are played. And they'll say, right, Get that ball in the in the forest box every opportunity you can, mm. because you know they're struggling to defend. You know they're a bit nervous now, maybe because people keep saying they can't defend set pieces, and teams will do that to you. You know that that's what the Premier League's all about. You know that's the people doing the jobs, watching what the weaknesses are of football teams, and Forest will do the same watching their opponents. You know, mm. so it's that they've got to put it, you know, put it right quickly in that respect. I'm just skirting way back. Willie Bolly was on the bench on Saturday, so he's not injured and he could come in. And Montiel was on the bench and Aurier. So I wonder if we might see a fallback change. Although, I mean, um, just quickly, Greg, Toffolo took some uh, dead balls and I thought they were decent. What did you make of them in the ground? I liked it. I, we said this in the first half because we're right near that corner, that A block lower Bridgeford corner. And uh, it was good because it, Give Gibbs White that opportunity as well. You know, it took him off the set piece and he's more of a danger in and around that box. You know, his quick feet, even winning the ball back if it doesn't come to us straight away. So it was a really good option to have Toffolo doing that. Uh, I saw someone in the comments a minute ago actually talking about trying some short corners because I don't know if it was like statistically we can we only score something like five percent from these corners anyway. So maybe they'll look at that because we seem to be getting quite a few at the minute, which shows we are you know, getting it up there a bit more in attacking positions. But I must admit, like Gibbs White with his corners this season, they've not been amazing, have they, as good as we'd hoped. So I liked that switch. I really did. Yeah. And I think Gary's right to highlight. I thought Gibbs White had a really good game. Obviously, yeah, definitely. One of his best, definitely. 
Yeah, I thought it was his best I, game. Yeah, I captained him as well. He got me some good points, but anyway. You're joking. Did you captain yeah. him? 24 points. I'd How do you tell keep you. doing this? Yeah. It's mad. Okay. Well, this isn't the time to talk about FPL. It's a bit of a <laughs> one, but Yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't know how you keep doing it. Um, just on the strikers, Gary, what do you make of Wood and Origi? Because I don't mind thinking, saying I thought Origi was not very good at all when he came on. And I thought Wood just didn't play through strengths. I felt a bit sorry for him. He's coming deeper and deeper. Do you have to tell him just stay up there and you know, make people busy well, or what? what wants from him? You know, it's like I said again. He said in commentary, I said I felt real sorry, really sorry for Chris Wood because he's been, you know, he's dropping deeper to get involved. And you know, you've got to play to your striker's strengths. And you know, it, we saw against Man City last season. You know, we, he finished there. To, you know, that that finish, he was in the right place, right time. As strikers are to get us a, a one each against them, and he scored goals this season. You know, but he didn't get a great deal, you know, of, of real quality. That one ball from I mentioned from Gibbs White, there was a lovely cross, but just got nothing on it. And it's difficult to generate power when it's like that. Um, but you want him in the right areas. You know, you want him up front. You know, he's not the fastest, though. He's not, a, you know, one you where he'll break forward with pace and hurt people. You know, if you're playing him, again, you know, his strengths are when it comes in the box. And um, we were putting a lot in when he wasn't on the pitch. But, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's the one thing that, you know, I've repeatedly said that's the worry for me, that we never signed an out-and-out, out, you know, top-quality striker maybe when um, you, you saw the, the options we got. Um, but you just hope Hudson-Odoi now and Origi get themselves match-fit. You know, they've got the opportunity, hopefully, to do that. And they could be, you know, they could make an impact. You know, we know they've got the quality. It's just, you know, getting them in the team and getting a consistent run from them. And that's not going to be easy because, you know, they might, you know, not fit into the system that Steve wants to play. Yeah, I thought Hudson was always bright when he came on, to be fair. That's what I was going to say when we talk about next man up. And that's one of Cooper's things that I love, you know, next man up, we've always got that. But after Wood, Wood and Origi, I'm not sure who the who the striker is to turn to then, is there? No, it's there isn't with, one. But they, they the, have to step up, don't they? And Origi, yeah, I think, has. Yeah, I, I just, yeah, if one of them gets injured before the January market, which that's a good thing, you know. <laughs> Some of these teams, you know, your Sheffield United teams like that, they're not going to be able to. We know with our owner, that if we need something, we're going to get it one way or another in January. So there, there will be that striker. I love Tywo. I said it on the, the West Ham podcast the other week, how, how strong he is for us, but the big issue is his injuries. And it's it's happened again, hasn't it? So even next season, even if he has a really good end of season, we can't rely on him, sadly, just because of how he is with his injury form. Hmm. Well, they're saying there's an article in one of the papers this week, uh, last weekend or last week, saying that there never been as many injuries in the Premier League in the history, more so this season, all over the Premier League than there's ever been. Mm. And the question they were asking is why? You know, it's so it a good question. They? It is a good question to ask why. Mm. You know, when we played, we played, you know, those two seasons where we won everything, we won, we played 130 odd games on mud, mud, mud heaps and with 15 players. You know, so what? You know, why is there all? I think it's the level of it's the level of training as well, isn't it? You know, there's the the you know the training eight hours a day. They've played in the summer. There's a the guy next to me stood next to me. Looks 
Looks a bit like uh, Gary Neville, actually. But uh, he was talking about the African Cup of Nations as well. And there's gonna we've got the most players going to that tournament, haven't we? So there's going to be more injuries coming back from that. Not only do, do we lose them for two or three games during during the winter, but there's going to be more injuries coming back from that. So it is, it's just crazy. And it, it makes you wonder whether eventually they're going to have to look at extending this 25-man squad to a 30-man squad or something, because most teams are in the same boat. Mm, mm, true. Um, let's move it along. I mean, I actually thought Chris Wood did okay, but it's such a huge drop-off from Tyway that we're just going to notice it no matter what, and we didn't play towards strengths. Um, let's talk about the penalties quickly. Gary's given his thoughts. Mikey, what did you make of Brighton's penalty first and then our penalty? I don't think either of them were. I, I certainly didn't think Brighton's was. Um, but I guess if you are, I shouldn't say this, but if you're going to give one, you're probably going to give the other. It's just it's just the way football is at the moment. I, I, you know I'm not. Anyone that ever watches this podcast knows I absolutely hate VAR and everything it's done to this game. I think it's ruined it for supporters. Um, but the, the focus is on getting the right decision, even though it takes three or four minutes. And going back to injuries, people stood around for four minutes cooling down and then having to sprint again. So that's that's not helping. Anyway, neither were penalties in my opinion, Matt. Um, I agree with Gary. You know, the, the guy, the Brighton guy's not going to get there and chucks himself to the floor. Wood's a bit silly with his arms all over him. But if you're going to give that, there's about five or six in every game you watch. You're going to have five or six penalties a game. And then ours was probably more of a penalty, but I still didn't think it was either. But like, you know, if that's the level that they're giving, then that's what it is. I just don't, I just don't like it. I just don't like the way fear was just... Completely sapped all the emotion out of the game. I hate it. And they do that, but you watch every set, every corner. Players just aren't watching the ball. They're just no. intent on just getting their arms around people, and they're fouls every day of the week. But because the ball's not in play, it's not. They're not given. They need to change that rule because it's spoiling the game in that respect as well. You know, nobody. You, you see, very few goals now scored by centre halves from corners. Because everybody's all over them, and you know you're stopping the running, they're round the waist. Referees talk to them, but don't do anything about it. You know, change the law a little bit. Say before it comes in, it's a penalty if you're doing that, and it will soon stop. Because it is a good spectacle when you know that it did. You know, a set piece is a good one. Somebody scores a decent header. You know, we don't see that many times anymore. No, true. Um, just last one on the game quickly before we move on. Greg touched on this, Gary, and I think he's right. I felt we needed a lot more craft after going against 10 men. Like, do we need to get down the sides of them and pull the ball back? What do we need to do to manipulate the space better? Well, you've got to, when, when you go down and you're playing against 10 men, you have to make it difficult for them. You have to move them about because mentally and physically, they're going to tire if you do that. But I think we just made it a little bit easy because we just kept throwing the ball in the box and, you know, hoping that we get something out of it instead of, you know, maybe being a little bit brighter, you know, a little bit more inventive, getting round the backs of uh, teams instead of just throwing in the box. Because centre-halves like that, you know, the, the lad, I can't remember his name, um, the, the, the Hick, was it? No, the Van Hick? Hack. Yeah, he was good. Van yeah. Hack, yeah. I mean, he he was immense when um, Dunk went off. I mean, how stupid was that, by the way, Dunk getting mm. sent off? You know, you get a yellow card and then he carries on. He's the most experienced man on the pitch. That was and a straight he, red he got. Oh, he must have really that, said something. It was a straight red. It wasn't a second yellow. So he must have really oh, said something. Oh, was it straight something. red? I thought he'd been booked. I thought he got a yellow out first. I'm sure he got a yellow he out. He did, yeah. He got booked. But then apparently the, what he said was so bad that it was yeah, a straight red card offence. Yeah, somebody sent me the link through about exactly what he called Anthony oh, okay. Taylor. 
Don't repeat yeah. on here. Tell us, <laughs> Gary. I don't know. Go on. No. no I mean, <laughs> you, I mean, stupid is that from an experienced player? You know, England international. You're winning in the game, and he does that. He gets himself sent off and um, puts his team under pressure. But that's beside the point. We're not. We're not interested in. Uh, I've you know, just what seen they... in the comments what it might have been. So exactly. But yeah, it's, it's about us. It's not about oppositions. I mean, the, the the annoying thing is we've mentioned the Villa game. We know we can do it. Mm. You know, we didn't make a great deal of uh, you know mistakes in that game. You know, they missed a few chances, blazed over the bar. You know, where they should have probably done better, but they didn't score. You know, we clean sheet two nil, and then you know you think right, okay. What a great result that is because Villa were one of the informed teams. And then we, you know, we lose against West Ham when we shouldn't have done. Yeah, we lose against Brighton when we probably should have got something out of it. You know, it's it's that lack of consistency that's concerning. Um, that sort of leads into the last topic to discuss about the manager, reportedly under pressure again, not for the first time. I don't think it's like he's on the brink or anything like that, but he is in the stage where he needs a result soon i would say you know it's a results business greg at the end of the day isn't it do you do you worry for the manager's future at the moment or not uh yeah definitely worry for it especially if saturday doesn't go well if saturday doesn't go well then this conversation's a completely different one um he's done so much for us he's he's so clever in some of the things he's done to get us where he is and i completely trust that he'll get us out of this little rut as well. And I think that'll be shown on Saturday. I have noticed that, you know, you talk about the manager this time last year and 95% of the fan base are saying, you know, got to stay, got to keep with him. That's changing though. And I think obviously our owners don't listen to the fan base and they never should. But that, that has definitely changed the conversations, you know, in and around the ground. Not that I agree with them at all, but you, you can definitely see a shift in opinion. Not the majority, but a lot more people are talking that way. But it only takes one game and one good win against Everton on Saturday. You know, the, the crowd, everything, half-five kickoff. There's going to be some big things happening. It's just going to be a really massive chance for us. The pressure's on him and he knows it, but the pressure's on him every single game, no matter how well he's doing. So... Get Saturday out the way, get Saturday as a win, and we don't have to talk about it till the next time we lose. Well, the crowd were magnificent again, weren't they, at the weekend? It's one of the loudest, you know, I think I've heard for a long time as well. It was just fantastic, you know, the uh, noise around the ground, especially when, you know, Morgan Gibbs-White scored the penalty. Um, yeah, I, I, If they get rid of him, I, I, I can't see the any plus points in doing that. I, I've watched them train. i watched, you know, how he, he sets up in training. And it's fantastic to watch. Uh, it's quick and it's incisive. You know, the training is spot on. The professionalism spot on. Everything about it is absolutely great to watch. But I've said before, a manager can do that, which he does, you know, with training. The training is second to none from what I've seen. When we trained, it was totally different, uh, which is obvious. But um, it's about players when they get out there. Brian Clough, you know, what he always said, I go back to him, once you cross that white line, it's down to you. I've picture, it's down to you. That's your job when you get out that on cross that white line. And that's that's how players have got to accept it. You know, players never accept they do anything wrong. I mean I, I saw one incident in the in the corner flag where um who was it? I I think uh, pushed the guy over right in front of the assistant. Yeah, yeah. And he didn't even give the foul for that. 
He shoved him with two hands right in. He's a, he's a foot away, the assistant. Didn't didn't give a foul for that. But that's the, you know, you you cannot, you know, as a manager, you know, accept that, not accept it, but you, you can't do anything about the stupidity of a player doing that when the guy is facing his own corner flag under pressure and you shove him to the floor. What mm. is that all about? Mm. You know, it drives you nuts, but you know it's going to happen. Mm. And, you know, you, they, they're the sort of things that annoy you more than anything. But getting, you know, swapping manager now would, would be absolute madness for me because then whoever comes in has got, a, you know, his own methods, his own way of seeing things. He'll see view players differently to, you know, what, you know, Steve sees them. He has his own training methods, you know, and that could disrupt everything. I mean, especially with the Cup of, you know, Africa Cup of Nations coming up as well. It would be, you know, silly because Steve is he's, he's still doing a very, very good job for me. I mean, we're losing games by the odd goal. You know, West Ham 3-2, they're 3-2. We beat the Villa. You know, we're not getting battered by teams, but it's just those little mistakes that we're making, those avoidable goals. We'll say it, that's the last time I'm going to say avoidable goals. You know, and that's not down to a manager. That is down to player individuality. That they switch off, they don't close down, and that's basics. If you haven't got the basics of a player, you struggle and you will concede goals. And, you know, that's what's happening at the moment. Nothing down, nothing to do with the manager, you know, when players make those silly mistakes. Mm. I suppose the question, Mikey, is to what degree do you think we're underperforming to be where we are now? Are we way off? Are we about where we should be? Because uh, that dictates whether the manager's future for me. I think we're a bit off, if, if, if I'm honest. I think um, I think you said it right at the start of the, of the show, Matt, maybe six or seven points off probably where we should be. You know, people cast their mind back to the games that we've had, the leads that we've had, you know, the last two games, for example, there's, there's some, you know, the Luton were 2-0 up. You know, these these are points we're chucking away. It only takes one or, one or two of those games to be seen out and we're not even having this conversation. I also think we're leaving the ground on Saturday and um, the first two messages I got both read the same thing from different people and it was along the lines of it's that time of the year again, Cooper's under pressure. So he knows what it is. We all know what it is. It's a results business but it can turn in the space of 90 minutes. So if we turn up on Saturday, put Everton to the sword, you know, we could be nicely mid-table and not having to have this conversation. But it just, that's just the nature of the beast. You know, there's the owners injected 200 or so million pounds, probably more. And, you know, with that level of investment comes a higher level of expectation. So, you know, Steve Cooper and his team will know this. And like I said, they're not far off. I said it earlier, seven of our last eight goals have been, that we've conceded have been set pieces or crosses or mistakes. You know, you, you cut half of them out. Then you, you, you it's not as if we're being ripped apart and losing three nil, four nil. It's just silly errors of concentration, as, as Gary said. But, so we're not far off. Mikey, that is going back to basics as well. You can you can practice and train in all your life. You can stay there for ten hours a day, trying to do, you know, cut those out. It doesn't matter about what happens on the training pitch. You know, you're making those mistakes. It's when you're out there on a Saturday afternoon, getting your concentration levels right. You know, watching the ball instead of you know trying to fight somebody off and, and not even know where the ball is. The number of times you see players and they just don't know where the ball is. You know, you've got to be professional about it. You can train all you like and manage to do anything they like, but 
trying to defend set pieces. You could a manager will put Willy Bolly in there, Nia Carte, you know, big lads in there, but we're still conceding goals at times, you know, to Bowen. Yes, it was a great delivery from Ward Prowse, but you know it's going to be a great delivery from Ward Prowse. So expect it to be and get your concentration levels up at any level. I mean, I played centre half, I know how important it is to concentrate on what's coming your way. If it's a, ma a magnificent ball and you're in the right position and it just goes over, beats you a little bit and somebody scores behind you, you hold your hands up sometimes and you say, right, OK, I couldn't do anything about that. But they're not the goals we conceded at the moment. They're goals we can stop or should have stopped. And you're right about the position. Luton, we should have got something, you know, three points there. Should have beaten Palace away. Didn't, you know, got a point, which last season would have been delighted with. You know, and it's it. You know, we get a point against Brighton. That would have been fantastic. You know, just that one point on Saturday. You know, the way things had gone. But you know, it's little bits and bobs, and other teams will say exactly the same. You know, they'll be having the same conversations we're having. It's all down to the players once they cross the white line, and you know, managers can do absolutely nothing about it if they continually make those mistakes. Apart from leaving out the team, that's mm. a, you know, that's all you can do to stop it. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I don't think we're far from where we should be. Which I think we look a more accomplished Premier League team this season. So I think we'll be all right, but we need to iron out these creases very quickly. There was a couple of points I was going to make as well. People keep referring back to the amount of, which has, has been spent, which is true. And obviously the owners backed them massively. But we were starting from like square one. Our squad was nowhere near Premier League ready and they needed to spend all that, a lot of that money to get us to even be competitive. We had about five players in the youth team when we came up. So that's sort of a mitigation. And the other thing is, like you watch Brighton and their recruitment and the way they play, and everything's so well-drilled and so fine-tuned. We're still signing Nuno Tavares to play left wing-back, and now we're playing with left-backs. I don't think we still know exactly what we are and what we want to be. And Cooper's still melding a team with, you know, seven deadline day signings. And it sounds like I'm making excuses for him. And to an extent, I am. But I do think there's mitigation and I don't think we're hopeless. And I think we're a lot like this was the only thing I would say about Saturday was it was the first game where I thought we looked like last season's team in midfield. Like I came on here and droned about how bad we were in midfield every week. Can't pass it. Can't retain possession. And that was the, the worry for me was that we'd we looked like we'd regressed a long way. So against Everton, we need more control. We need more discipline and desire to defend our box. And if we see that, then I think we'll be fine. But I don't think Cooper's doing a terrible job. I think we're making terrible errors that are making us look worse than we are. Right, that was my bit. Um, I think that covers all the agenda. Uh, anything else you want to say, Greg, before we depart? Uh, yeah, just two things. I got a message last week and it wasn't even Forest related, but it was from a brilliant Cooper comment. And I think it makes so much sense for the Everton game coming up as well. Uh, sorry, something's just popped up. Don't know what that is. Uh, and it was about what this football club's about, what Forest is about. And he says, when people make big errors, we don't kill them. We get behind them. And I think that's exactly what we've got to do on Saturday. There's not been many games this season where the the crowd has been commented on like, wow, you know, that's impressive. And I think on Saturday, half-five kickoff, under the lights, you know, it, it'll be a, a, it'll be a very, very impressive start to that game, I think. And I think the crowd have just got to really, really get there. 
and on the any other business, Forza are going back to what we used to do well at the very start, and we've got a really good pre-match planned at Saltbox, right uh, on the edge of the ice arena on Bolero Square. That's going early doors from about 12 o'clock. We've got DJ, live music from Louis, who's been on all over the timeline with his brilliant songs uh, this past week. So he's going to be playing for us. So get down there, get your singing heads on and take it straight into the ground. And I really think we can give Everton a uh, give Everton a beating. I really do. Well, yeah, I think so. I agree. I think we can. It does worry me, the game, because I think they're, they're, they're going to front up and we're going to have to. That's the big question for me. Uh, we'll talk more about that later in the week anyway on Thursday. Mikey, anything from you before we depart? Yeah, no, nicely said. Um, yeah, just a couple of things. Just congratulations to um, the women's team. Obviously, yesterday, I think they got into the uh, last uh, third round of the FA Cup and also our under-21s. I think they're in the EFL Cup. Did we get Doncaster away? Yeah, not so. Derby, yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> everyone wanted Derby, of course. Um, so, no, just congrats to, to, to those two teams. And I'll just echo what um, Greg has said. I think there's a difference between... Um, facing into what went wrong and trying to analyse it and understand it. And I think we've come to a consensus today that we're the makers of our own downfall. And if we tighten up and concentrate a little bit more, we'll be fine. I think that's very different than just absolutely slating them, which I, which I hope we don't do. So I just echo what Greg was saying. I think um, Saturday feels a big game. I love these half-five kickoffs because I think everybody's just has a couple more hours just to get up for it. And if the three o'clock go our way, we could shoot up that table past Palace, past a few more. So... Let's just be positive because one result changes it all. True. Gary, anything for you before we depart? Yeah, again, I've just got to go back to players and managers. You know, the 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 stick that managers always get and always take, whereas players get away with it. You've got to be professional as a player. You know, it, it's too easy to, uh, you know, not accept responsibility sometimes. And I think that's where we're, you know, our, our downfall is a little bit at the moment. Personal mistakes, switching off get that right and we're going to be okay without a doubt and um, I've just got to say a big up for Harry Kane for what he's doing for Bayern Munich at the moment goodness me you know I keep watching that and he, he seems to be breaking record after record people will say well it's the Bundesliga you've still got to score you know and uh, he's in his 30s now and he's having an exceptional season and Ganacho, I've got to mention that goal I mean that is just ridiculous ability you know to, to do that I think even the Everton fans behind the goal were sort of mini applauding it because it was so impressive. Very much like the Rooney goal against uh, Man City a few years ago. Yeah, so that's uh, that's it from me. Players take a bit more responsibility, but get the concentration levels. That's all it is. You know, it's a it's lack of concentration that is probably costing us, you know, these goals at the moment. Mm, Nothing major. That's, no, that's the no. thing. It's fixable without a doubt. No. Not much from me. I was the only thing I was going to say a few couple times. This is just the note I noticed. Like this is a strikers thing, Gary. We see a lot of one touch and finish at the weekend, like Ferguson, Harland, Ollie Watkins. Like that's how strikers seem to be playing now. That's a wider conversation. We've been going on for an hour, so but I just wanted to get that in. Go on, Greg. Uh, I don't know whether it's we've had a show since Emily and uh, Eastwoodans today won that award as well. So shout out to her for that. If not. No, we haven't. Uh, congratulations yeah. to Emily and Eastman today for winning. I didn't uh, know. Oh, a, a re, an RTA. What's that? I don't know what it stands for. Something. Yeah, but a it's regional a big award. No. Yeah, Royal Television. Yeah. Royal yeah. Television. Royal Television Academy or something that's like it, that. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So well done to Emily. Uh, yeah. 
What else was I going to say? There was some... Oh, yeah, I was going to go, but I can't believe Greg Captain gives White an FPL after he got <laughs> one assist all season and then he gets a goal and assist from Captain. I'm going to keep calling myself the Captain King and it seems to keep working. So I'm, I'm slowly creeping up your uh, your league now. It's I'll be respected I, one I, day I, in the FPL world. I plan two weeks ahead, three weeks ahead, six weeks ahead, and you Captain gives White and probably getting more points. How many points do you get this week? Uh, I don't know. I just saw Gibbs White got me <laughs> like 24. <laughs> Over 50. Over 50. <laughs> Over 50. I got 50. No, I thought it Right. Sorry. Uh, yeah, we're going off on a real tangent. Um, we might do an FPL podcast next season. I don't know. Me and Greg and someone else. <laughs> and then I can the, go on for this well, one more. Me as the expert, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for everyone who's joined us uh, in the comments. Very much appreciated. Loads of them. Uh, some positive, some negative, but that's all fine. All uh, pretty respectful, so that's good. Uh, Greg, thank you very much. I enjoyed it. See you all next Saturday. Be loud. Yeah, indeed. Mikey, thank you. Cheers. Thanks very much. I enjoyed reading the comments today, guys, for the first time in a while. Um, some good stuff on there, so thank you very much. Gary, thank you. An absolute pleasure. I can't read anything because I'm not, uh, you know, into social media, so I, I haven't a clue what's going on. You're on your <laughs> phone, but if you're on a, uh, yeah, if you get a laptop for Christmas, you can read the comments. Um, so usually well, you about your to. shirt and wallpaper, Gary. You're not missing much. No, okay, that's it. <laughs> usual, usual, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mikey's got a Christmas jumper for every day until Christmas now, so people should get used to that. Right, uh, we'll leave it there. We'll be back on um, Thursday or Friday with uh, the match preview. But in the meantime, thank you very much, everyone. Have a good few days, and we shall see you soon. <laughs>